Hey y'all, and welcome back to Blush You, the podcast where you tell us your juiciest stories and we get to dish on them. My name is Tally, and I'm here with Elise. Hello. Hi, guys. How are you? <laughs> great. We're always, we're always like great, but then when we say it, we're like, oh wait, are we? Are we great? great? Are we? Well, I'll be the first to say I'm tired because as I talked about last week, I started reading again. And like, mm. of course I have not, Oh, I can't go to book club this month. I'll talk to you about that later. I'm very sorry. So I don't even think I'm going to read it. Ah, I know I'm horrible. I'm horrible. But I stayed up too late last night because I had to finish where the crawdads sing. Mm. My friend Charlotte, who's also a blush coach was like, you need to read this book. I read it in two days, which is I think unhealthy because I have the opposite of ADHD. So I'll sit there and like do something and beat it to death until it's done with. So I stayed up way too late because I had to know the ending. I heard that my sister-in-law, she, I think told me about that book and I have no no idea what it's about, but I've heard it's really good. It's so good. I can't think of anyone who wouldn't like this book. The writing (sighs) and the writing is like so gorgeous that you can't really speed read because I am a I'm a very, very fast reader, but I also miss details. So like, (laughs) there's a lot of things that I'm like, wait, what the fuck just happened? (laughs) Go back like a chapter and be like, Oh, like I saw the cast for, um, this film where the crowd sing was posted and it showed that the, the lead was white. And I was like, why are they whitewashing this? This is like, this is egregious. I looked at Andrew. I was like, something must be done. And then I looked it up and it was like, oh no, the character is white. <laughs> How did I miss that? I'm like a hundred pages in and I, I didn't know that. So yeah, my moral superiority was all for nothing because well, and it's fine. But anyway, point is, is that it's such beautiful writing that you really don't want to rush through it. It's like one of those books that's like, it's basically a long poem. It's stunning. Mm. Okay. I'm going to add it to my very, 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 very long list of things I still need to read. I, I know. I joined Book of the Month Club <laughs> That's a, because I, I like, look, I love Blush's Book Club. I really do. But I also want to be entertained. Entertain me. I so know. that's been fun. Okay. Sorry. I launched into why I was tired and it didn't even, it's not even my freaking sparkle, but before we get into sparkles, let's discuss what we're talking about today, which is simply put self-differentiation and the quarter life crisis. Cause I think those two go hand in hand all the time. Mm-hmm. So we're going to dive into that later, but for now it's sparkle time. It is. We have a conjoined sparkle today. Well, we can talk about it, but it's basically the same parallel situation. Um, I, I don't even know how to start the story. I feel like it's a really long story, but I went to a new acupuncturist like two weeks ago and she was like, okay, if you're, she's like a fertility acupuncturist and cause we're not starting any fertility treatment treatments yet, but I was like, okay, acupuncture is good. I go anyways why not go to a specialist that specializes in fertility? So we go and she, I go alone last week and she's like explaining all this stuff and saying, I need to come three times a week and getting me on all these like supplements and things like that. And she's like, Oh, your husband has to come too, because in order to create like a safe space for the baby, you got to have both partners here and just all this stuff. So I come home and I'm like, Carl, 
you got to come with me. Like we're going to do this together, blah, blah, blah. So keep in mind, like I live primarily with my heads in head in the clouds and Carl's like very much a realist and like a realist, I would say describes him well. So we go in and I didn't, I didn't prepare him at all. He's never done acupuncture at all. So we go in there. She sets me up. We're in the same room. Cause she says there's like benefits to you being in the same room. And then she does this like energetic testing on Carl where he puts like his thumb and his middle finger together. And then she like tries to pull them and does like, what level of energy are you at? Like a one and pulls a little two, three. And so he said he was at like a seven and she gets to like a three and she pulls harder and his fingers come undone. And he's like, dude, you pulled harder. Like, of course my fingers are going to come undone. Like you pulled harder than you did the first two. And so anyways, all that to say we end up, he, she puts us both on an extensive protocol of supplements. And I'm like, yes, this is great. Amazing. All the things. And we dropped $650 in one session. And she then tells us that we need to schedule each of us have to come three times a week. So that's like literally insane. That's like more than my car payment. And (laughs) it's more than most people's rent in a, in a week. Yeah. I mean, for just me, it would be more like, but yeah, both of us together, literally insane. And so I schedule, I'm like, yeah, let's schedule, schedule their next week for the whole next week. And we literally walk out the door and Carl's like, what the fuck was that? He's like, I literally feel like I was just taken advantage of. I feel like someone robbed me. I feel like someone grabbed my wallet out of my pocket. And like, I have no idea what she did. I have no idea the benefits of acupuncture. I don't know what the fuck supplements she put me on. They smell weird, but like, what just happened? And I'm like, Oh, like, okay. So then I process with Callie and I'm like, okay, my lesson that I've learned is that I need to be more of a skeptic. I've never been a skeptic in my entire life. And I feel like it's causing me to be like a little naive, maybe. Well, you're projecting because I think you're one of those people that is so sweet and kind and would never sell someone snake oil and would never tell someone to do something that you didn't actually think would benefit them. Like, I think you wholeheartedly believe in everything you do and you're not trying to make anyone go into debt in order to be a better person. So you assume everyone else is operating under that assumption and they're not like they're straight like this bitch is gonna be in the tropics in a month from now with your money like flight and vacation like paid for out of your pocket because she was like hell yeah three times a week six hundred dollars a visit like this I'll just say I'm I err on the side of way too much skepticism like borderline cynical so the second if someone had been like you have to bring Andrew in. I was like, I'm going to stop you right there. <laughs> First of all, no. Second of all, you think my husband is going to show up and do this? Like a fat chance, but also like, I don't know, be a little less obvious about it. Like there's no benefits to being in the same room, room as someone getting treatment. I mean, she's just making shit up at this point. Yeah. I mean, she's brilliant though. I'll give her that. Like, well, I like people are smart. I like genuinely cannot comprehend like how someone would like take advantage of someone else 
to gain something. Like I genuinely, like I, I cannot, I know that that happens, but like, I can't even comprehend. That's why I literally sucked in sales. Like I had a client and he, I was trying to sell him on our service at my old job. And like, he was like, yeah, I'm really struggling. It's all relationship building, which I'm good at. But then it was like, oh yeah, I can't even afford to buy my kids Christmas presents this year. And I'm like, dude, then I'll do this shit for free. Like you spend that money on your kids. Like your kids deserve this more than I do. Like I have a salary. I'm good. You know, like, and I sucked because I just like never like, you know, people tell maybe they, maybe they we're taking advantage of me. Cause I don't know. Are people just taking advantage? <laughs> yes. Yes. Haven't you heard this is a dog eat dog world? Like, yes, people are taking advantage and you walk in with your beautiful optimism and sweet demeanor. And yeah, I do think sometimes you might have a target on your back because people are like, and also people, the, the best way to make money is to tap into people's desperation and people's fear. And yeah. there's nothing worse than infertility or health right? Yes. Like health and, and, and just the body and all of that, because none of us know what the hell we're doing. We're not doctors. We're not, we haven't studied this. It's crazy how much we don't know about our bodies. So when we have someone telling us, Hey, if you do these things, you're going to be in control again and get what you want. They're tapping into that fear and desperation. And most people are going to say, yes. The problem is, is that I've owned my own business for a while and I've been rubbing shoulders with other business owners. And let me tell you, they're out for blood. Like mm -hmm. they know the sales tactics. They want to sell you all this shit. And anytime someone sends me a direct link, like I went to acupuncture this morning and that bitch sent me a direct link for supplements. And I was like, Oh, so you want 15% of this? Yeah. I think not. Like, <laughs> I don't think so, ma'am. If I actually think this is worth it, I'll go get it at friggin' target or something. Like I'm not buying it directly from you, but it's like, Ugh. It's like, what's the point of it all? Like, so that people can just like to make money, but to like, make money, but like making money is like greater than like being kind. I think a lot of people like, here's the thing. When you tell yourself something over and over and over again, it becomes your truth. And so mm. I think what is happening is a lot of people actually believe like my acupuncture this morning was like, if you drink room temperature water, then things are going to change for you. And I was like, lady, we're not having this conversation. I'm drinking water. Okay. Like give me a fucking break. You think that like dialing up the temperature of my water is going to push the needle here, but she actually does because she said it to probably every single person that's come through her door. And so mm. she has decided this is the truth. She's mm. also decided that coming up with a firm straight up, this is my mantra opinion is how you gain followers, which is also true. Notice how really strong leaders normally don't live in a shade of gray. It is black or white. This is right or wrong. These people are bad and these people are good. It's like, Ooh. this is leadership and sales 101. So anytime I hear something like that, where they're not tailoring it to my body, or I feel like they're just shooting from the hip and making shit up, that's going to cost me money, right? Mm. It's one thing to say, try and cut this from your diet or try and do this or try and do this. And it's like, okay, I can filter it and see if I want to do that. But the second that my wallet's involved, I'm like, all right, back up. Mm. <laughs> but like, how did you learn this? Like, do, do, do like poll for everybody listening. Like, do you, does, do people, are people supposed to know this shit? Like, I don't know. I mean, I do think some of it, I've actually thought about this 
like, where did I get this cynical bug to me? Because it's not like I had a hard childhood. We did move a lot. So I had, I mean, I, when I say a lot, I say twice, but they were both at critical moments in my life. And I had to be careful about who I became friends with. So I was, I would, I remember being like, okay, I'm going to go out there and meet everyone and figure it out. But then I had to have a critical eye to be like, who's actually going to be a good friend. You know, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be here for him. I'm going to be here for four years. I'm going to be here for five years. Like I had to really filter that out. And then when I started a business and I was trying to figure out how to become successful while also helping people, cause that's not a crime, right? Wanting to make money is not a crime. I just think you have to provide value. And so when I was researching all of this, I mean, there are workshops out there that would basically just be like, just lie. Like, just say that your business, like you always hear like six figure business, how to make six figures. Well, they'd be like, how much money have you made cumulatively? That people assume you're talking an annual figure, right? Not a cumulative figure. I mean, people are just full of shit and I hate to say it like that. So I started looking at all these tactics that people were employing and I'm like, all you bitches are lying. <laughs> so then it made me think if they're lying, oh my God, is everyone lying? And then of course I married Andrew who's like, equally, maybe even more cynical, maybe even more skeptical than I am. And he opened my eyes to other tactics. And I was like, <gasps> everyone is out to get me. And so that's how I operate now. <laughs> oh my God. I have so much to learn. I literally like, it's just funny because like we literally walked out and Carl was like trying to have the same conversation with me. He's like, Elise, like, come on, dude. Like I literally know what I'm talking about like she's trying to make money she's trying to get a one-up on you like she's trying to manipulate us into feeling like we need to come here to so that she can you know have go to Mexico yes and I'm like I'm like no like no way like I felt like her energy was nice she's like a kind woman like she wouldn't take advantage of me and then I text Callie and Callie's like oh yeah you're being taken advantage of I'm like oh that makes sense like it's just like anytime, anytime Carl and I butt heads about something, he's like, just text Callie, like just text Callie about it. I'm like, okay, but like, sh she'll probably tell me something different than you did. And then it's like, you say the exact same thing he does. I'm like, well, she worded it better. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not a fun lesson to process. I would much rather live in a world was where everyone was Elise and no one wanted to put me into debt and everyone wanted to solve my problems, but that's not the world we live in. And so, yes, I mean, I think being skeptical is a good thing because being skeptical doesn't mean you walk in, in a pessimistic tone. Like I don't walk in assuming something's not going to work, but I walk in looking for clues as to whether I think it's going to work or not. And so when I start hearing extreme advice when they've only known me for 10 minutes. You know, uh -huh. when I start hearing things like you have to come back and consistent constantly to make it regular, like even with blush, like of course, consistency is better, but if you can't afford it, we don't shove it down your throat. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, okay, you can only afford 99 bucks a month. Great. It's not, it probably isn't going to move the needle as much as you'd like for it to. And it might take longer, but that's okay. Cause that's all you can afford. When I don't hear that flexibility from other vendors or professionals or experts, I'm like, Dude, get the fuck out of here. Like, yeah. you just want money. She, I called her afterwards after Carl and I had a parking lot conversation. And I was like, we actually can't do three times a week. Like now, like we can't do it. And so I was like, maybe we can come like once a week and Carl can come like every other week. And she was like, if you're, if you're coming once a week or every other week, then you might as well not come at all. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then I won't come at all. <gasps> okay. I mean, okay. that's, that's, I just think that 
I wonder what it takes to have that much like hubris in what you do and provide to someone else. I don't Wait, know. Webster's hubris. Oh, I just like, just like an, like a strong ego. Like okay. my job is not to stroke someone else's ego and to say like, yes, you're so smart. And I'm going to listen to everything you do because I don't know you. Yeah. Like, I mean, even I met a new fertility doctor. I promise guys we're going to get into the letter, but I do think this <laughs> conversation is very important. I met with my new fertility doctor, honestly on the phone. And the only reason I am listening to her, and even I am taking some of the stuff she says with a grain of salt because she is hardcore and I don't do well with extremes. Um, but she had data. She looked at all of my labs she, and I have gotten a lot of testing done. She looked at everything and I could tell she spent at minimum an hour looking through everything because the first thing she said is she was like, okay, this, this, and this tell me that you might have an, like an abundance of iron in your system. And I was like, Whoa. Like, instead of just being like, Hey, we're just going to put you on crazy pills and maybe there'll be OCD. Maybe there'll be fertility. I guess we'll see. Like, she was like, this is, she was, she came at it like a scientist would. And so she gained my respect immediately because she showed that she actually, that she wasn't just telling me a one size fits all thing. Mm -hmm. Whereas other people who look at me and they're just regurgitating the same shit. And I'm like, you've been talking to me for five minutes mm -hmm. <laughs> and you're already telling me to spend an extra $500 to get the most out of this. Like this mm. is a sales call. You know, you're not a service provider. You're a salesperson. Um, oh, so yeah, that's just me. It makes me sad a little bit. Like that no, is sad. My it's, bubble it's, has my bubbles bursted, but I guess that's a good thing. Oh, I've been really trying to not to do that. It's fine. I want you to keep your little bubble. I want you to keep your like sweet, like, I don't know, attitude and optimism. I don't want to turn you into me. It's not fun. I hate walking around being like, you're full of shit. You're full of shit. You're full of shit. <laughs> I'll just leave you. I, you could do that job. And then we'll, that's why we balance each other out very well. Yeah, I know. So my sparkle, I think, I don't know. I haven't totally come to a conclusion yet, but like, I'm just in this place where every expert is telling me something different to do with my lifestyle. Like, and I'm getting annoyed going in and talking to people. And no matter what I say, it's not good enough. They always have something to be like, okay, well you're drinking enough water, but is it room temperature? I'm like, are you fucking serious right now? You know, <laughs> or uh, you're exercising, but it might be too strenuous or can you bump it from five days a week to six days a week? I'm like, we're not having this conversation. Okay. <laughs> do you think, do you think that that's like feeling like, like, what am I trying to say? Like, do you think that that's coming from a place of like trying to prove their professionalism or expertise or something. Like if you came there and they were like, yep, Callie, you're doing everything amazing. Then it would be like, okay, well, why am I paying you? Like, what am I gaining from this? A little bit. I think there's two things. I think sometimes yes. So like the acupuncturist today, damn, did she want to prove herself? And I could smell it from a mile away. And I was like, I am not here to make you feel good about yourself. In mm. fact, I am here for you to provide a service. So you're mm. not confident in your knowledge, which is why you're mm. shoving it down my throat. Mm. But with Wendy, who is my new fertility doctor. And I don't know why I keep telling my doctors by their first name, but I am. So, um, with Wendy, I think what she's trying to do is control all the variables. So she's basically saying, if you can live this lifestyle where we 
you are not eating dairy and not drinking alcohol. I'm going to have to really figure that one out. I was like, none, none at all. I'm going to be fucking sober and I'm not even pregnant. Uh, So, yeah, okay. Like no dairy is easy. I don't really eat that much dairy, but you know, upping, I can't drink as much carbonated water. And I was like, there's nothing else in it. It's just air. It's just air air and water, but like all of these things. And I think what she's doing, she's not saying, I I mean, I know this is what she's saying. Well, I guess I don't know, but I'm assuming that if you can do all these things that I'm telling you, then we know that your lifestyle is not contributing to anything. Mm -hmm. So then we know that, you know, it's like a scientific experiment. You want to like, you know, study the controls or whatever to make sure that nothing's interfering, um, Mm -hmm. with the experiment. So it makes sense to me, but I'm also like, this is my life. And so, yes, I want good results, but there's something to be said because I'm, I'm an achiever. So when someone gives me a challenge, I don't want to just do it. I want to get an A. Mm -hmm. And so when she's like, you have to drink X amount of water per you know week and it has to be still and then no dairy and no alcohol. And you have to be in bed before 11. And I was like, lady, I have a life. I am popular. I can't deal with, okay. I'm not that popular, but it's like, but I, I get this cognitive dissonance because I'm like, but she told me to do this. And if I don't do it, I'm going to fail and I'm going to get a B mm-hmm. and I am not a B person. I am an A person. So I need to get an A. And so then it creates a lot of unnecessary anxiety. It's mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. if she could just tell me to be healthy and like, try and do these things, but don't freak out. It would do better. Like I am that kind of person. I don't need external motivation to want to do well. Does that make sense? Yeah, like, they should inside. They should do like, like before you have a consultation with a doctor, like they should take into account what your Enneagram totally, or just personality or motivations. Cause it's like, I am an achiever. Yes. I don't need you to tell me to achieve. I doing it. Yeah. Like everyone's like, are you eating healthy? And I'm like, yes, I am eating healthy. Good Lord. Like, are you, are we having this conversation? Do you exercise? Yes. I fucking exercise. Do you sleep like, well? Yes. I would tell you if these things were a problem. (laughs) So I'm just, I'm, I'm balancing this whole, okay, do I do it her way and do it to an extreme and sacrifice? Look, I'm not saying I'm an alcoholic or anything. And I, but you know, it's, it's more of the mentality of, do I concentrate on being perfect at every step? Because, you know, all of the things that she wants me to do and all the things my freaking dentist want me to do and my acupuncturist want me to do. And, you know, in order to be a good person, it's a lot, mm-hmm. it's exhausting. And I'm just looking down this tunnel. Like, is there no room for me to slip up? And if I do, does that mean I don't get to get pregnant? Cause that seems mm. mentally unhealthy. Mm-hmm. I don't know how long this is sustainable for. So I'm kind of balancing, like, do I just need to rely on what I know to do, which is 80, 20 rule, 80% of the time, do your best. The other 20% of the time, eh, what's it, what's it going to hurt, you know, yeah. or are all these things really that important where it is all or nothing. I just, I have a hard time believing in all or nothing scenarios. Well, I subscribed to the all or nothing mentality for like the past two years. And I'm still at the exact same place that I was starting two years ago. So I think that like, you know, if you can find that balance between like 80, 20 and still have like a good mindset and be positive and, you know, keep doing what you can with what you got. I think that's like the best 
mentality to have. Yeah, I think that's what I'm going to try to do. I don't know. Part of me is like, try her way for two weeks and see if yeah. you can do it. But I was like, so I can't have a glass of wine at Thanksgiving late. I don't know, yeah. girl. I don't know, girl. Well, this is going to work. The thing with the all or nothing is like, okay, then when you do that and you have all the controllables and then what happens to me, like happens, then you think it's like your fault. Right. Because totally. like, it's, oh, I'm already there. Everything's yeah. my fault. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's everything. Everything is already my fault. So that's the thing. It's like, I got to be sensitive to it. I really don't want to pile it on. So I don't know. I don't know if I have a sparkle yet. I'd love to be like, okay, so my advice is to do the 80, 20 and listen to your instincts and try to improve, but don't try and go crazy. Or if maybe this is one of the first times that I'm wrong and I need to stop listening to myself and start listening to professionals. The problem Mm. is I'm just so skeptical. I don't believe professionals half the time. They're just people like I'm a professional. I'm an expert. <laughs> That's terrifying. So then when someone else says that they're one, I'm like, yeah, I know what that means. Cause I'm labeled as that too. So <laughs> you can't fool me. You know, <laughs> I feel like Callie could literally be like a stand-up fucking comedian or some shit. Cause like, how do you come up with this stuff? It's like, it's so just- good. It's my feelings. It's my feelings expressed. I'm serious. This is my internal monologue all day. It's just constant like sass just firing off and I have to make sure I don't actually say it. Anyway, Wendy, you went to Harvard, girl. I ain't doubting you. I'm sure you're smart as a whip. So we'll see what you got. I'm just not willing yet to say that all of this is my fault. And if I had just been perfectly clean eating, water drinking, room temperature, no dairy, no bubbles, no fun, that it would have happened for me because I just don't think that's true. Yeah, I'm with you on that. You know? Um, so I don't know. We'll see. TBD. But uh, let's get into <sighs> that. Might have been the longest sparkle. I know. I feel like that could have been a submission in and of it. That was our did submission. Did we just do the podcast without actually helping anyone? Okay. So <laughs> let's read the letter so we can get to it. Okay, everybody. Dear Blush. I've always had a pretty good idea of who I am and what I stand for, or at least I thought I did. I've recently gone through a really transformative growth period in my life, which has has me second guessing everything I used to be. What I used to think was easygoing and agreeable, I now see as people pleasing and not having much of an identity. The past year has been really difficult for me, and I've had no choice but to grow through what I go through. I'm really proud of who I am becoming, more independent, more attuned to what I really want and believe and value in life, and more confident in who I am and who I want to become. But this is where the tricky part comes in. I feel like I'm almost outgrowing everything I used to think was so certain in my life. I've never felt more disconnected to my family members, especially the ones I've thought I totally aligned with and had so much in common with. This goes for friends too. I guess I'm just at this place of having so much awareness of all my shit that now I'm hyper aware of everyone else's too. The way they cope, the way they react, blind spots and pain points, and it gets really overwhelming for me. I so see the value in this time and growth in my life, but it doesn't come without feeling a little isolated from what I used to consider my home base. My question is, is this normal? How do I cope with feeling distant from a very tight knit family? And how do I navigate feeling like a totally different person around my friends when it seems like they've all stayed the exact same from growing pains? Okay. Growing pains. 
Welcome to the quarter life crisis. There's a name tag right here. Write your name down. Sit down. There's coffee in the back. We brought cookies today. <laughs> it's a meeting. We're having a meeting. meeting. We're having a meeting. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, so happy you're here. And I'm sure you are terrified, but that's okay. Cause we've all been through this at one point or another. And if you haven't gone through this yet, get ready. Cause it's coming. So I guess my first, I, I think I already answered the first question, which is, is this normal? So hell yeah. Very, very, very normal. And how do I cope with feeling distance from a very tight knit family? Well, we can't answer that yet. Cause I think we got a backpedal here. So first of all, I would just like to congratulate you on taking on this challenge. Some people go through their quarter life crisis and literally reject it at every step and say, no, thank you. Do not want to change. Do not want to grow. Do not care. And then their quarter life crisis becomes a midlife crisis. And then they become that cranky person that nobody likes. So it's a good thing that you are embracing this growth. Um, and it's probably what's probably happening is your values are becoming more crystal clear to yourself. So it's, and once you see those, it's hard to unsee them. So I think beforehand, you probably just didn't have anything to stand for when you don't go through adversity and the stakes aren't very high. What's the point, right. Of actually standing for anything when nothing really affects you. Um, I mean, it sounds awful, but it's true. And I think that's probably what was going on. So now that you've gone through some shit, you've decided to stand up for certain issues and stand up for people who've probably gone through things that you have. And you're looking around the world and saying, okay, this is kind of scary, but you know what? I can be there for people. It's tough whenever you're now face to face with your quote old life and people don't like that you've turned into someone who has an opinion because mm. you're not going to be as easy to be around. So the question kind of becomes how recent is this? Have you given people a chance to catch up? Cause you've been going through this transitional phase, but that in turn becomes a transitional phase for other people. And sometimes they need some a chance to catch up and a chance to soak in all of your changes and a chance to, you know, adapt to what's happening around them. Um, the second thing is, are these people like coming up closely against your values and rubbing you the wrong way? Meaning are these big things or little things? Um, because we can accept the little things and you can just agree to disagree. But if, you know, you guys are clashing over values, this is going to be tough to navigate. Um, and I guess the third thing too, that I want to get to later, but I'll just address it right now is we have to be careful not to judge people who haven't been through their transformational time. Um, this is not, you know, something where it's a race to change. It's a race to go through your growth period. Everyone hits it at different times. Elise can attest to that. So, so um, I just wanted to kind of run through my initial thoughts, but I've talked enough for one lifetime on this podcast. So Elise, what do you think? I mean, I totally agree with you. I think going through some shit really gives you perspective, like things that you maybe never would have thought about before, or maybe didn't even have an opinion or like Callie said, you don't really have anything to stand on. I think when you are faced with situations that you never thought, or maybe you would go through or anyone in your life has gone through, it really gives you like new 
perspective and new grounds to really like evaluate your life and the lives of people around you. I really liked what you said about not being judgmental about Mm -hmm. like other people being, I think we're all on different journeys. Right. And I think we have to pay tribute and pay respect to like our journeys. I really believe like our journeys all happen. The timing is perfect, even though it feels like it's shitty sometimes, but I think I've always said like people and situations and life circumstances come into your life at the time that they were supposed to and serve a purpose that they're supposed to. So when I was reading this, I heard of like one identity development, two family dynamics and three like friendship fluctuations. I think all of those happening at once probably seems really overwhelming because I think like identity development is one thing where you're kind of like, holy changing who you are as a person is like a very big thing. Like, I think that's like the foundation of the quarter life crisis is like who you thought you were could like is now different. And this thought of like evolving and transforming and growing, like, I feel like I never really had that. Like, I never knew that that was what was going to happen to me. You know, like I didn't really, I didn't really have any I don't know, examples of other people who significantly changed in my life. I felt like everybody was kind of consistent across the board. So I, I, I remember my like transformative stage was really when I got sick. And then when I went to grad school, and then I would say like now, like I'm having like, maybe can you have more than one quarter life crisis? Apparently so. Apparently you can, but yeah, I think it's like, I mean, at the root of it all is like identity development and change and evolution can be scary, but I think you just have to give yourself permission and trust that it's still you. You're just growing, right? Like we wouldn't put on the same pair of pants that we wore in the fifth grade. Right. So I think thinking of it in that way makes me understand it better. But then I think it gets tricky when like family dynamics come into play, especially if you have like people in your life that are very rigid in the way that they believe in what they think, because if you're open to change, if you're open to growth, which is the sense that I'm getting from this letter writer, but you have people in your circle who are very certain and rooted in who they are, and there is no room for any flexibility, you're going to have a clash there. 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's so hard because we don't have a lot, like I'm a nosy bitch. I want to know what's going on. I'm like, is this political or is this something else? Like, you know, tell me what's going on here. I really want to know. So people, when you write in, like, give me the juicy details. That's literally in the tagline of this freaking podcast. So I'm not getting the juice here, but at the same time, Yeah, I think you're right. It's really overwhelming when all three things are happening at at once. When I think of a quarter life crisis, I normally think of the first prong that you said, which is um, self-development and like self-differentiation, which self-differentiation basically just means like 
literally the differentiation of yourself. So you're part of a unit, whether it's a friend unit or a family unit or whatever, and you kind of break away and learn how to be more autonomous and independent within that group. So Mm -hmm. that alone is going to send the group into the spiral. So of course you're going to have pushback because everything in life loves the status quo. We love staying the same. We always say that humans like growth and openness. It's not true at all, at all. People like shit to stay the same. So Mm -hmm. everyone is probably reacting poorly to this, not because they don't like you, but because things are changing. Mm -hmm. Um, which is why I was also saying like, you know, give people a break if you can. Um, but I also think what helped me when I was going through my quarter life crisis, I'm reflecting back and it was finding weirdo friends that were on the same page as me in lots of different ways. Grad school is such an easy way to do that because, you know, you're going to school with people who are like-minded and want to study the same thing you are. So I was lucky that I, I had my quarter life crisis while I was in grad school. Like it could not have been better timing, but I'm, you know, if you're, if you're not nurturing the new you with a support system, Mm. you're going to feel isolated. That doesn't mean you have to leave everyone behind. It doesn't mean that you can no longer be good friends uh, with the people that got you through the first part of your life or your family members who have always been there for you. But it does mean that you have to acknowledge this change and you have to honor it by surrounding yourself with people who maybe that's the only version of you that they know. Mm -hmm. Right. Maybe like there's no change in their eyes because they're walking into your life post-transformation and this is just default you. I think that's healthy. Um, I, you know, I think that exposure to different walks of life, exposure to different mindsets and people is part of what keeps us growing. Mm. Um, it's totally fine to still hang out with your best friend from elementary school. I'm all about that, or still to have an amazing relationship with your family who raised you, but having it just be that I think is such a missed opportunity. So Mm -hmm. that's one of my biggest points of advice for you is to make sure that you're incorporating that support that really sees the eccentric new Mm -hmm. weird side of you. When you were just talking, I literally like envisioned like links, you know, like those links that you make for Christmas, you put around the Christmas tree that it's like Mm -hmm. made out of. And it's like, your old units and then like you are the link and then you have like your new support system and so like you don't have to like cut off all the people who like knew who you were before let's cut some out okay (laughs) people who aren't how about we cut out the people who are not supportive of your change what you said earlier, the ones who are rigid, the people who are stubborn for no reason other than to not like change. And I, like I said, none of us like change. Well, I kind of do like change. I was just about to say, I'm like, Callie, you are one of those people who like, I know I'm one of those people. I know, I know, I know, but I know that that's not normal. And I've always known that that's not normal. So I can recognize that the majority of people really don't like change. Um, and I've seen that, but there are some people that refuse to even acknowledge it and get, frankly, get angry whenever it's thrust upon them, which is just ridiculous because life is going to change no matter what you do. Yeah. For those people who are just refusing to even acknowledge your new mindset, um, grow with you, or even attempt to, there are some people that aren't just, they're just not going to get it and that's okay, but they're going to try. Don't punish them. They're trying, give them a break. But for those who are basically giving you the bird, Yeah. We don't like, 
again, we talked about this a while ago that the human mind is so limited and we really don't have much space for really solid, strong relationships. You can't afford to keep people who aren't even going to try to get to know the new you. Yeah. Ooh. I like that. I also, as you were talking, um, thought of like systems theory. I think we've, yeah. we've definitely talked about it before, but like when you're, regardless of if it's in your family unit or like a friend group or your coworkers or whatever, you create a system. And I think a lot of the times what happens when you go through a transformative stage and then you come back into a unit that has stayed in the exact same spots, you are then labeled the disruptor. Yeah. And I think I first experienced that when I met Carl, because like my family has always been like, preserve the family unit. Don't wake waves. Everybody smile for the picture, even if something's wrong, which I totally understand. A lot of families are like that. But when Carl came along, (laughs) Carl's like, I love him so much, but he's like, literally, if something's on his mind, he's going to say it. If he, if you rubbed him the wrong way, he's going to be like, what the fuck was that? That was kind of an asshole thing to do. Like, we're cool, but like, don't do it again. Like he really was like a disruptor in my family unit, but in the best way, because I think he really put perspective. Like Carl's taught my family so much in just being like, wait, so you're saying that there's a problem, but like, we're not allowed to address it. Like, what, what am I supposed to do with that? Like, how do I, how do, how do I navigate that without like not being there? You know, like, so it's been really cool to kind of see, like, I'm sure being the disruptor doesn't feel good. Like, I'm sure that that feels like shit, but I think that like, there's so much value in being a disruptor or being a partner to a disrupt, you know, like whatever it is. But I just think it's like, really your perspective on it. Like so much good can come out of like creating waves. Oh yeah. So Elise is saying, um, use this as a gift. Like think of about this as an opportunity. I mean, I don't think I've necessarily been a disruptor in my family, but I, I think uh, not as dramatic as Carl, right? My parents got divorced. My brother and I are on opposite coasts. No one lives in the same state, let alone within driving distance of the other. So we are four individuals who are on great terms and very good friends and love each other. But my parents, I think after they got divorced, it was kind of like, we're all peers now, you know, like there's no hierarchy here. Um, that's kind of the way that it goes. I mean, there's a little bit, she, of course, my mom is my mom and my dad is my dad, but I'm not noticing like the whole mommy, daddy, and they're the boss and they're in charge is gone. And that was gone around the time they got divorced, but also when we became financially independent and then enter, you know, Andrew, who has been very independent from a very young age has taken care of himself basically from the age of 18, got a full ride scholarship and was like, goodbye, you know, and never went back to where he was from. I haven't gone back to where I was from. I mean, am I from South? Like, I feel like I'm not, I don't know. It's so confusing, but anyway, yeah. I mean, and that really rubbed, I think some of my extended family the wrong way. Cause I was always the connector, the glue, the sweet one, the people pleaser. I'm getting vibes of myself from this letter. And I used it as an amazing litmus test as to who actually supported me and loved me and who just liked me. Cause that was easy. Mm. And it became crystal freaking clear. 
Now, have I totally cut off people who just liked me because I was easy? Not really, but the relationship obviously was frayed and I just didn't let it bother me because I was like, great. They don't really like me as much. That's awesome. No sweat off my back. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. And this, you know, keys up room for other things. So I think, you know, how do I cope with feeling distant from a very tight knit family? So one, maybe you weren't meant to be, I don't know, part of a tight knit family situation. Like maybe you're happier when you've got some space and some independence, and maybe it's for the best that you're getting this autonomy right now. So you can find your own way and can start using your own voice. Cause maybe the people pleasing came from your family of origin. And that was the only way you could survive and cope. And so having this distance helps you become who you are. The other thing I'll say is that, you know, there's seasons and ebbs and flows to this, meaning you might not be a close tight fit family now, but I've heard from a lot of my other friends that have kids. It's like, once a kid comes in, family dynamics kind of change and things kind of start molding and shifting again. And maybe they've become closer with parents. Maybe they've become less close, but basically saying life is going to continue to throw you curveballs. So what's happening right now is probably not what's going to happen for the rest of your life. So maybe just look at what's happening now and see what benefits you're getting from it and see if maybe if forcing this tight knit thing that I, I don't know from a very tight knit family to me, that just seems like it's part of their culture. Right. Like every time I hear tight knit family, it's people who are like, my family is everything. I love my family so much. We're so tight knit. And it's part of their identity. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think of like enmeshment. Yes, I do too. I mean, sorry to anyone who identifies strongly with their family. Good for you. But I'm not interested in your family as much. I'm interested in you. Right. Like, so I'm just, to me, I just keep thinking this is an opportunity because I think a healthy family dynamic is one of a bunch of individuals who share a culture and want to spend time together. Yeah. That's how I view it. I feel like I remember reading that in like my family therapy book or something like exactly how you just described. Really? Yeah. That's cool. Are you an author? Well, you are. (laughs) Duh. Not not that kind. (laughs) Have you written a textbook? Yeah, that's a no. So I'm, I'm going to go with no on that one, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just, I understand that this is scary. I'm getting a lot of fear from this letter. I'm getting a lot of anxiety from this letter. I'm getting a teeny tiny bit of guilt. Like, oops, I went and went through a growth period and now I'm not close with people and I'm the weirdo. And this is my fault. I think I'm just going to say run with it. Um, I also one warning whenever I was going through my big transformational phase, I overcompensated a lot. Meaning I was so obsessed with like my newfound independence and my newfound persona. I found out I was an introvert. I was like, yeah, fuck you. I hate people. And then like, I found out, you know, I I just all these things that I didn't know about myself before. And I knew, so I leaned in hard, a little too hard. Like, really wanted to just go all the way there. Of course I came back to a neutral zone that fits me more and I'm not as extreme. So you also just might be in a very extreme place. Um, I remember feeling like I had two heads and everyone else had one. And I was like, where are my two headed bitches at? You know, like I went to hang out with other people like me that wore off. It did. I came back to natural territory and was like, okay, people aren't the worst. 
this is just who I am, but that doesn't mean I can't assimilate with everyone else. Yeah, totally. God, this is good. I like this conversation. I like this podcast. So do you have any final thoughts for her? Um, for, we didn't really touch on the friends, but I think, I mean, I think that if you're talking about friend groups, I just assume that people are relatively somewhat close to the same age, right? Like, do you have a friend group? I have like different friend groups. I have like my friends from college. And then I have like my one friend from high school. And then I have like two friends from grad school. And then I have you and Carl and blush people. So like, but like, I would say like my group it are my friends from call like my five six girls from college so it's so fascinating to me because I don't have like I like see people that are like on a friend like group chat and I'm dying laughing because I'm on like little sub ones where there's like four of us or like three of us or whatever but like if I put all my friends on a group chat they'd be like who the fuck are these people Like the the concept of like a cohesive friend group is so foreign to me that I'm just like, how do these people do that? Like, how do you have friends? And then they all happen to be best friends. And then you're all best friends together. Like that just seems like so much maintenance and so much pressure and so overwhelming to keep like six people happy all the time. And like, there's always going to be someone fighting in the group. Like, nope, I'm friends with like individuals. And then I get to know their people. And like, I see them at like weddings and baby showers. Yeah. Well, I think like within, I would say there's like six, six people from college that are like our group, but then we have like groups within the group. So like I'm, I have like, this sounds complicated. Yeah. It's super complicated, but I mean, it works. And I think we're all like at the point where like, if you don't talk for like three months and then you FaceTime and you check in, like there's no harm, no foul, like there's no pressure. Right. I'm just so, I think, I think I'm just realizing I am introverted because the idea of a group overwhelms me. So all this to say, um, that I'm going to be dog shit at giving advice on how to manage a friend group. I can guide you on how to manage friends that are individuals that might know each other, but might not. So like even when I come to Dallas, I like see this person and then I see this person and then I see this person. Like Andrew is one of those. That's like everybody who wants to see me come together. Y'all are going to be friends. I'm he's the glue of every friendship group he has. Mm. It's, it's unbelievable. And he's got groups that he's the center of. I, the anxiety, I can't (laughs) imagine being the glue for people, like the responsibility that that comes with. Oh my God. I am the outlier. I am like the friend in the corner. That's like, I'm here. You know, I'm like, I know you and you and you, but I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, connect you guys. Like I just, it's too much for me. Like, no, I have my relationship with you. And then I have my relationship with you. And if you guys have a relationship together, that's fine. Don't invite me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dead. God. Like, no. you, I feel like you ever, you ever see those like things on Instagram stories that are like unpopular opinions. Like, I feel like all, like opinions are so amazing but like so unpopular and my in my world I'm only just saying that I'm just trying to give context as to why I've kind of skirted this friend conversation the whole time I'm like oh I really and I, I really don't know I mean my response would be you're probably blowing up your friend group a little bit and you might be excluded a little bit if they don't know what to do with you 
I mean, I would love to say don't take it personally, but it feels pretty fucking personal. So uh, that sucks. But I mean, my, again, my advice for that is to accept the fact that you are going through a transformational, transformational phase. You are the one who's changing. And it sounds like actually you're the one who's kind of upset. Now that I'm reading this again, you're like, they suck. They're standing still and they have no personal growth and I'm bored. Okay. If you're bored, then I wouldn't blow up that friendship just because you got on your high horse and decided to change your life. Good for you. But again, like, don't judge, you know, you were friends with these people for a reason. They're still the same people. You're the one that's changed. So go out and supplement, supplement your life with other little weirdos and go find a new group. That doesn't mean you have to abandon your old one. It just, you have to accept the fact that it might not be the same again because you're not the same. Yes, I concur with all of that. I also think too, like for me, I feel like I have been like the first of my friend group to have to go through, not like really, I think everybody goes through really shitty things, but like, like IVF miscarriages, but you know, things, arguments with your husband, whatever. Like, I think that all of the things that this person's probably experiencing, like everybody goes through a transformative stage at some point. And I think just because they haven't had something monumental happen in their life that totally changes who they are and the way that they see the world doesn't mean that they won't. And I think that that can give you some peace in knowing that when that happens for them, you can be a source of support for that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, but I also totally recommend going and finding some dark and twisty friends. Totally. I think both, I think like meet in the middle of like find your support, like find another support system. That's totally in line with like who you are now, but also, you know, be open to being supportive and non-judgmental. I know. I I only have one friend that I consider like a bright, shiny penny. And like, she has Crohn's. I mean, that's some shit. She was like in a hospital bed, like her entire 15 years on earth. You know what I mean? Like, Crohn's is the worst. Yeah. Like, and she's my light and happy friend. Actually, you're my light and happy friend too. And good God. I mean, I don't want to live your life right now. It's been a horror story. So (laughs) I'm just saying like dark shit can be really entertaining and also very, it's just such a strong connector. I mean, yeah, it really is. I mean, all my friends, all my friends, I'm serious. Like my best friend's brother died. My other best friend's dad died and then you are a fucking mess and it's, it's, it's a lot, but But you know what? I think that like, who's to say like our friendship would be what it is if like we hadn't gone through. It would not shitty because I would be looking at you like, is she going to trip over something at any point? Is something. Where's the perspective? What is happening? How do people live like this? I I don't, I will say, I want you to be done. Like we're good. I think you've caught up sufficiently. We're good. We're 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 okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, for sure. There would have been a disconnect. I'm not going to lie. So, so I guess all to say, I do empathize and I do understand. And I don't want you to force or fake this letter writer. Like you're right. There's going to be a Delta here and it's going to be really, really, really hard to fill in the gap here and to reconcile this because you now see the world through a different lens. Yeah. And when you're with people who don't see it through that lens, it's just, 
you don't feel understood. And the fundamentals, I think, of friendship and relationships are feeling understood. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have that, what Elise is saying is that doesn't mean you never will have that with these people, but it, but I'm saying, and you know, I think you're in agreement with me. You got to go find it yeah, because you're going to drive yourself crazy. And honestly, you're going to grow resentful, which I think you're borderline already there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. This okay. Good. You this asked was- for my final thoughts like an hour ago. So hopefully <laughs> I gave them. Do you have any final thoughts? You know my thoughts on final thoughts. Therefore, negative. Yeah, you just say. (laughs) I don't know why I literally, like my armpits and hands start sweating when you say, what are your final thoughts? That's like when you, that's like when you didn't read the book and then you like go to class and they're like, Elise, like, can you give us a summary of what we talked about yesterday or what we read about? Girl, that's when I shine. I'm I'm like, yeah. I've like skimmed the back of the book for like five seconds. And then I just like bullshit my way through it. And they're like, yeah, that was good. Confidence, then, confidence is key. I feel like I think it's would- also just, if I prepare, I fall apart. Like I can't prepare. See, oh my gosh. When we give this talk at, for we Elise and I are giving a talk and it's going to be the perfect talk ever. Cause I get interviewed. Thank God. I don't have to prepare at all. And Elise has like, gives a presentation. It's perfect. This is why we go together. You know, well, truly we are. Remember when we had to do that one talk and I was like, here's my script. Here's my outline. Let's do flashcards. And you were like, well, <laughs> shut up. Please stop. <laughs> I was like, please stop talking to me. I don't want any of this energy. <laughs> Okay, let's wrap this baby up. Um, growing pains. Honestly, let's do it. I think you should join blush. I really do. I think this is the time where you need to be matched with another little weirdo because every blush life coach has been through some shit. I make sure of that. There's no one on the team that has lived a charmed life or doesn't understand the concept of trauma or pain or grief or feeling rejected or any of all the dark emotions they Mm -hmm. all are very comfortable with. So come on board, man. Like, I think it's time for you to have your own little guru that you can come and process this with. Um, so you should use promo code bless you all caps for 25% off your first month. Um, if you want, you can even book a free consultation. We have those floating around the site. They're 15 minutes. You can get paired with someone and see if you're going to hit it off beforehand. Cause I know this can be intimidating. I get it. It's a lot to be like, Hey, come tell a complete stranger, all your problems. It's like, okay, if you want to dip your toe in, that's fine. That's fine. 15 minutes, totally free. Let's do it. Um, also remember to write into blush you at joinblush.com with your stories. I would like more details. I want to know what you're fighting about. Give me the specifics. Okay. Cause this is, this one was a little general and don't go wrong. Growing pains. Loved it. Thank you for writing it. I just want a little bit more gossip. Okay. So give me all the deets and hopefully you'll be featured in the near future. I love this. This was a great one. I thoroughly enjoyed this podcast recording. <laughs> Good. I'm glad you enjoy it because you are the reason we are doing it. So <laughs> you need to be having fun. Okay, guys, we will see you next time. All righty. Bye.